0: Good morning. It's a Minnesota morning on the Maverick. Thanks for joining me. My name is Karen Wright and you've got me at two minutes past nine. We're going to start the show with a special guest this morning. It is Dr. Edward Inch, the president here at Minnesota State University on what is the second week of the classes starting here at Minnesota State. And it's been a pretty decent start to the, the week and we're going to talk to him about how things are going so far. Good morning, Dr. Inch.
1: Good morning. How are you doing?
0: I am doing great, so it's great to see you. And one of the first things you said to me when you saw me is the energy on campus, just amazing.
1: Yeah, the energy's back. I I got to go participate a little bit in move-in day and and just the excitement of our new students and our families. Being back together in person pretty much at pre-pandemic levels is tremendous. You can't walk around campus without getting a a sense of the optimism and the, the feeling about being back together this year. The student union is busy. The uh, residence halls are more than 90% full. Uh, we have our ninth largest uh, incoming class in our history. There's just a lot of people, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement about the year ahead of us.
0: Well, you mentioned the numbers of students. Now, across the board nationwide, numbers of students going to colleges is down. In in the state of yeah. Minnesota, I believe it's down as well. How are we doing here at Minnesota State?
1: Uh, We're not quite back to pre-pandemic levels, but we're only down about a percentage point. And for the most part, I think what we are seeing is the effect on enrollment that the pandemic had meant we didn't have as large of classes coming in the last couple of years. But this incoming class is quite large. And I think that tells me that we're moving back to the trajectory we were on pre-pandemic.
0: So what are our numbers? Because in the past, you know, we've been all the way up to 16,000 students, which has been almost too many at one point for what the facilities we had. And now where are we at?
1: Right now we're at about 13,500. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's, that is respectable.
1: Yep. Up from last year.
0: That is good. And I understand that my, my, both my sons were learning during the pandemic. They, they were both in high school Mm -hmm. and it was difficult. And I know a lot of even college students who just said, I can't do this online stuff. It just doesn't work for everybody. So as far as you know, is everybody back in the classroom? My husband, is, who's a professor, is back after two years being at home. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Uh, we're back to about pre-pandemic levels of uh, online versus uh, face-to-face learning. We're getting back to what we looked like before. Now, that, that said, we've also learned some good lessons from the pandemic about how to use our technologies to enhance the student learning experience, and the faculty have become, you know, very creative and innovative about how to deploy technologies to be able to Accomplished different kinds of things than they were able to pre-pandemic. And I think we're still finding our right mix there. But all in all, we're back at uh, levels of having students on campus and our faculty and staff on campus that would have been where we were pandemic and i think that's a that's a positive what i hear more and more are uh, and see more and more are just the interactions that are happening outside the classroom and people having more social time to work with one another to work in uh, student learning groups for faculty and students to be able to connect out of the Zoom environment in a lab or even in an office or corridor. So I, I think that gets back to the things we are best about with our teaching and learning. It isn't just the formal instruction, it's what happens when it, when our faculty and students are working together.
0: Now, you mentioned the, the pandemic, which, you know, it feels like it's over, but we know technically that it's probably not. We're, we're still seeing yep. people get sick. There's still that sort of thing. Are there still any protocols in effect? I mean, we're not doing the distance learning thing like before. So what has changed and uh, are we ready to revert back if we had to, which I hope we don't.
1: I hope we don't too. I I think what we're seeing is that the pandemic has moved more toward an endemic stage that we're going to see for a while. That means that we still have protocols in place. We follow the guidance of MDH and CDC uh, and we still offer uh, a wide array of services on campus, so it's easy to get tested on campus at the health center. Uh, we offer vaccination clinics every Friday. Oh, okay. um, so it is still, you know, we have those services available, and uh, we go through the, the uh, recommended quarantine procedures and masking procedures for people that get infected. But here's what's happened is that since most of our students, staff, and faculty have been vaccinated, the uh, cases are relatively mild and the new protocols are that while you're sick you should be separated but once you're not symptomatic and you don't have temperature uh, masking and being able to uh, work uh, and be able to go back to your studies is much more possible.
0: In last year or the two years I guess it's been now there were actual dorms set aside for people who had COVID to quarantine is that still the case or is it done differently now?
1: Uh, we don't have whole dorms set aside. We have spaces oh, in spaces dorms. Spaces, yeah, I should say because that. Because yeah. we don't have the, the case count okay. that we did. The case counts are pretty low.
0: That is good news. Mm-hmm. That is a very good news. Glad to hear that. So it's a special week coming up for you very oh, yes. soon. Busy. Let's talk about Dr. Edward Inch came here as the 13th president 13th. of Minnesota State University's history for over 150 years. And so finally, after many years, we are going to be having another inauguration
1: yes we don't do those often here
0: no we don't which is a good thing because it shows that there's some consistency and of leadership and mm-hmm. that's a good thing so coming up we have the inauguration and some of it's going to be public and so the communities are welcome talk a little yeah. bit about what people can expect for that and congratulations by the way oh, for, thank you they, they've kept you a you've year. been here and uh, yeah and you're being inaugurated officially
1: uh, let me just pause for a moment to talk about what an inauguration is because I, I think that might be something that is a more about academia. An inauguration is a uh, part of the continuity of the life of a university. It is recognizing that, uh, you know, the office of the president existed since the founding of the university and it's occupied by different people at different times. Mm -hmm. And it will go on long past, you know, my, my time here. What the inauguration is is a commitment to the university by its new leadership to continue to build and strengthen uh, what we have based on our history and to chart what our, what our aspirations are for the, the future hopes of the university and so it is the formal turning of a page building a new chapter about uh, what it is who we are and where we aspire to go and that's why we invite people uh, from around the state around the country to participate in different ways and we invite our community to be a part of it and so next Thursday, a week from this Thursday. Actually, I start with a week from this uh, uh Uh, well, next Thursday, a week from this Thursday, we will have a scholar walk on campus showcasing the research that we do, and that's open to everybody. That should be a lot of fun, is just explore our campus through the eyes of the, the people that do research here that try to create new knowledge and new ideas about how we move our communities, how we move Minnesota, how we move the globe forward in a variety of different fields, and that's pretty exciting. I got to do a version of it last year as I met with every department. There's some incredible work that is going on on this campus. So this showcases that.
0: Will that be, so different buildings or things will yeah. be featured, and you, yeah. it, will there be a map or guides, yeah. or how do, how's that gonna work? So people you know who aren't familiar with campus obviously will be like, well, I don't know where to go. It's what?
1: online. So ah. if you go to the President's page online, it'll have uh, inauguration activities. And it will tell you where to go and when. And uh, I think that should be a lot of fun, just being able to explore with our people the work that they are doing and how that work can be so transformative. And then on the 9th is Inauguration Day. And Inauguration Day uh, will be all of the uh, formal activities related to the inauguration. We end that with a uh, reception on campus for all visitors um, just to spend some time and and celebrate this, this university and what it is we've done. Uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday are focused on our campus people. So on Tuesday, you know, it's going to be pizza with the president. I'll be spending some time with students and uh, a barbecue on campus for our staff faculty. And then uh, Wednesday is our day of service because part of what this campus has done over its history, it's been an integral part of our community. And we're going to focus for a day of having Mavericks support the community that we live in. And so we've partnered with several organizations and our, our uh, different teams and, and uh, groups on campus to go do a day of service downtown to show our commitment to our region.
0: Do you know what kind of service activities are set up yet?
1: It's a wide variety. Oh, a lot the, of them. It's oh. a lot. But okay. if you go to the website, okay. it'll detail some of them.
0: Okay, very good. So you go to mnsu.edu and just
1: yep. Type president, in, and, president's page. Yeah, president's
0: page. It's all there. I see it, and so it's going to yes. be a ceremony, and I assume you'll be given some sort of a speech. Yes, you know. I, you just had convocation, so know. in when you do the convocation, that was welcoming faculty, staff, et cetera, back to campus, and you talked about some of the strategies and the successes and things like that. How will this be different, or will it be similar?
1: No, that that that's a good question because, uh, you know, the convocation speech, that's the speech that kicks off mm-hmm. the academic year, yes. focuses on the agenda ahead for the year. So it is, what, what are our plans this year? What's the direction? What are the goals for the year? And an inauguration speech really looks at the life of the university, the aspiration, over a period of time. And the period of time, so, you know, we'll spend a little time reflecting on why we're here, what we've done, mm-hmm. and what is our... You know, where, where are we at now? And from that, we'll talk a little bit about uh, where, where then do we aspire to go? It, what are our hopes to be as an institution? How do we continue to grow, evolve, and serve the communities of learners throughout our state?
0: So you've been here over a year now, yeah. and I assume that you've formed some new thoughts on maybe some new ideas on, on where this place could go. Any lofty goals that have popped up over the last year that you want to share?
1: I am more and more convinced that uh, this institution, is it's considered a regional comprehensive in the sense that we serve a region, we have a comprehensive array of, of offerings. I'm more and more convinced that the thing that distinguishes us, that we already do a lot of but should build more toward, are the experiences we hope for our students. For every major, there are sets of experiences that will help them do a deeper dive in the major, or use the major, or apply the tools that they have in guided circumstances. And I think that means we build out and coordinate offerings, everything from internships or service projects to uh, student research to uh, exploration of our region or our globe, of the things that we teach in the classroom, enabling our students to use those tools to do something positive toward our region, our state, or our globe. And uh, because when I talk with students, the thing that draws them here, they're interested in a major, but they want to know what it is they can do with it, what the goals are for the major, and what they're likely to do when they graduate. And having some connection between what they study to application is important for them. And I think that's where we will evolve to is work closely with community partners on how do we create those connections so that every student has an opportunity to do one of those very high impact kinds of experiences that will help them become better at their discipline.
0: Well that sounds that's really great. My that's son just in. started school mm-hmm. here and he's majoring in geology so there who knows go. where that will lead him. See, he just He just did a project uh, studying the Kasota Stone for his 4-H project at the fair. And that totally is about all that this region offers in that area. And he got a chance to connect with the the folks from the Stone Company and that sort of thing. And this was prior to entering college. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I can see what a great partnership you could do even with just that one little thing that popped in
1: my head. See, that's exactly it. And for students that are studying you know, different kinds of sciences, we are rich around us with places to go and do research and go camping and yeah. be able to have some time collecting samples, being able or, you know, if you are in disciplines in the humanities where I used to be a dean, it's easy, we have spaces around us where you can truly disconnect from the digital world and have space to reflect and to think and to write. And I, you know, I think those are experiences that are very rich. And sometimes we get in too busy of the, the mindset that, you know, we're on a conveyor belt from point A to point B. We don't step off to think about how do we take what we have learned to have a, have a place to reflect, to think through things, and then to write. Whether it be poetry or prose or simply journaling, how do we make sense of the world around us? And I love that there are places around us where you're disconnected from your digital life. It's just you and the environment around you.
0: Yeah, and we have a certainly a, just a, a wonderful environment. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you come from a beautiful area, of course, yeah. on the coast, and came here. And What have you discovered since you've been here? It's been a year. I mean, what are some of the things that you think, like, wow, this is, you know, I'm sure I miss probably, you probably miss the coast. I'm sure there are things about it. But here, what sorts of things have you taken in that has been just amazing to you?
1: I enjoy the coast, but we have a lot of lakes here. Aha, right? yes, so, yeah, yes, we do. Lots of lakes. I had an opportunity... Uh, to go do a a loop up through the Iron Ranger driving Mm -hmm. tour and uh, visit with some other of our system presidents and one of our trustees but it was just stunning a couple of things is the uh, northern part of the state so very different than the southern part of the state uh, and reminded me a a great deal of the communities when I I worked in uh, um, Alaska I was in Kenai Alaska for about 10 years and uh, you know, just the, the, the nature of the towns, and they were closely knit towns, they were interesting to explore, and to get a different sense of uh, what life in Minnesota's like, and, and how it's it's different from one place to another. And just it's a beautiful state. And so now I'm inspired to go explore the boundary waters. Maybe oh, next summer.
0: Yeah, that's that's a must do. I think you should do that for sure. Now whenever we start a new year there's a lot of new things and I know one of the big new things we have, we have a new provost that's started yes, just recently, a Doctor Hood and. Just a a very interesting and, I think, really a a very talented individual. I had a chance to interview him when he started a little bit ago. So the provost is one new thing. Talk a little bit about some of the other new things that are happening here on campus and that maybe are just kind of going to be a part of what building this university can be.
1: So my focus is building on the experience. And one of the reasons that uh, Dr. Hood was hired was his background and, and his work that he has done on not only making sure that student, students have positive experiences, but thinking creatively about those experiences are the most enriching. Uh, for the campus and for the students. In that theme, uh, the big issues, the big things that we're working on this year are going to focus around our strategic aspiration for what is the university we aspire to be, where are we headed, and why. And part of that is work that we're going to do with different units on campus such as strategic partnerships about how do we make that a place where we help uh, have a, a, a place where students can find their internships or whatever high impact practices that we want them to have as, as students Here, what are the experiences we want to build out for them and that will be our our key bit of work this year is designing what these things are going to look like so that this becomes, I mean it is now, but it becomes more of a destination for students that want the types of learning that we provide here. This applied, this, this very uh, directed approach to how it is we build new knowledge and how we use it, and making sure that students through project-based learning and the work that they do with industry but also their faculty can turn into things that not only can they be proud of, but that can showcase their abilities if they choose to go to graduate school or into industry. That's why I'd like every student who's interested in doing research in their field should have a paper either published or presented at at a, a conference. Uh, and so our project-based learning is part of that. And then we're launching uh, MinPoly, which is the first polytechnic institute in the state. And that's in partnership with St. Paul College in the Twin Cities. And uh, we are firming up and launching our School of Agriculture, which is housed in the College of Business right now. And it focuses on bringing together the talents we have on campus uh, in how we manage the business of uh, agriculture, which is a need in this region.
0: What is the Polytechnic Institute going to be like? how does that look because I mean since it is such a new thing and yeah. since we are the first to do this in yeah. his state
1: uh, So a Polytechnic is looks at how we approach, Uh, the application of technology or skills related to engineering and problem solving, how we take um, projects that are important in our region or our environment, so usually working with industry partners, and working with our faculty, our staff, our labs, and industry partners to help students navigate how to solve complex issues or problems. We're modeling this after what we're currently working on in the Iron Range, which is the uh, project we have there working with Mines, and teaching engineers how to take complex issues that baffle different industries and figure out ways of approaching those issues that that help them and help our students develop a better understanding of their discipline. We're gonna do a version of the same thing with uh, St. Paul College with the goal being that we will attract more and more partners to this model, and okay. begin to build out a network of uh, partnerships that will help educate students where they are. So many of our students are place-bound. They might want to come here, but go but it's somewhere. Hard, yeah. right? Yeah. And many of them don't have a good four-year option. So the goal is to use the uh, resources of our system to ensure that students that want to get a four-year degree with any of the two-year colleges that we can partner with them on very applied directions such as min Poly can offer and we'll web out a, a number of options for students
0: wow that yeah. sounds that's pretty exciting stuff and i think so the one thing that i always found interesting when i came here i i didn't come here until 1988 to the mankato area and we were surrounded by all this agriculture yet minnesota state really did not have anything for agriculture, and I thought that was just the most unusual thing, because I went to University of Minnesota, where lots of agriculture, you know, and that's in the Twin Cities, and I thought, what in the world? So finally, we're getting back to essentially the the economy, what surrounds us is the school of ag. Talk a little more about how that's developing, and how is it going to be I assume it's going to be a little more robust than we've ever had, because it, in the past, really, there wasn't much.
1: Yes. So I, I need to begin by saying we have a very good partner with us in town, or pretty close to in town, is South Central College. And right. President Parker there has a very robust ag program that, is, uh, that has been developed over a period of years. And uh, Dr. Hood, our provost, and I went and met with her and, uh, uh, and toured the facility last week. Uh, And this is an ongoing project that we started last year with the goal of designing the School of Ag with very intentional connections between what South Central is doing and what we do so that students who get on that path have had a rounded experience from the process of, of Working in agriculture to the business side of agriculture, and so we're going to align our programs and our offerings, so students will be able to get a four-year degree in the area. Right now, because we don't have that, students that look for a four-year degree go out of region, but that is hurting some of the farms in region. Right, and so this is we we perceive this as a pretty high commitment to uh, to you know south central or southwest um, Minnesota. To uh, ensure that we have educational opportunities for all learners in areas of need, of which this is a pretty critical need.
0: And so, are we seeing more courses, more yes. what? So, what or more faculty? What are, What are we looking at? I'm just trying to picture how to how this is going to all work out.
1: So, an alignment of courses is what is what's happening. So, okay. what's happening? We have a, a steering team on this that design from the learning outcomes that a student in this area needs. Uh, How do we blend our courses from South Central to here? That process started last year with alignment of our courses, which could be in chemistry and biology, Mm -hmm. operations and management, supply chain. Uh, The next step is to take that work that students are already enrolled in and to make it a little more clear but also focus specifically on the outcomes that our agricultural community is asking for. So in the year two of this, it is about uh, working hard to make to to ensure that the students are getting the the, uh, degree that is best serving uh, the communities they come from.
0: And I know even at the high school level they really didn't have any agriculture. Now they've got a couple teachers that have incorporated FFA and things like that so it's, it's neat to see that strengthening in, in our community that is based on that yes. e- economy.
1: That's exactly right, and you know everything I read about where we are going to be over the next decade plus is ag- agriculture will become an increasing important part of the economy of the region. We are in a particularly rich area for agriculture, and that there are not good four-year options in this mm-hmm. state, in this region. Is a problem, and so that's one of the things that our provost has been tasked with is get this up on its feet, get this running properly. We have a very good dean in business, Brenda Flannery, who's been working on this and working with south central and I have a very good partner in uh President Parker at South Central. So I feel the pieces are all aligned to help us evolve this where it needs to be. It's just uh, this year is getting it refined and focused better.
0: I know that's why the the chamber developed the, the green scene, green scene yeah. which is basically to say, hey, look at us. We are here in the valley. We are ag and that sort of thing. I, I assume the university probably works with those entities as well.
1: Yes. Um, I'm, I work with Green scene as and uh, the Greater Mankato Uh, growth board as well and I'm on that board so these are regular conversations and our community is very willing as you might imagine saying how can how can we help you do this and that's part of the project for the steering team is to use the resources that our region has available to us to help make sure that we have an integrated degree pathway for all learners who want to go in this area.
0: Dr. Inch how long have you been in higher education as you know working because you initially were faculty and
1: I started as faculty at uh, Pacific Lutheran University in in, uh, Tacoma, Washington in fall of 1986. And doing? I was teaching communication and coaching our speech and debate team.
0: From that time, 1986, how have you seen higher education change through the years and the needs change?
1: You know, I I think about that. I read about those things because they they help inform where I think we are going. Uh, Education when I started, uh, higher education in particular is built on an old model that came out of the industrialization mm-hmm. in the 19th century where classes were like boxcars on a train you go from one boxcar to another, you get to the last boxcar, you have a degree. <laughs> <Right>? uh, <clears throat> when we still you still hear people talk about it. I just need to get through this course. If I get yep. past this course, I'll get to the next one. It's like we're moving boxcar to boxcar. I think education's evolved as it should, is it's no longer this singular linear thing you do to get a degree. It's it's more multimodal, it's more uh nonlinear in the sense that there are many inputs into a student's experience, all of which Help, us, help a student develop a broad sense of possibility. People get caught up about, well, does this degree yield X job? Well, in my generation, you know, it would be a, well, of course, you take the degree to become an accountant, then you're going to be an accountant for the next 40 years. That's not the case anymore. Our students will have more career paths, usually bracketed by the same general fields, but that the degree itself doesn't yield the job. It yields the capabilities to take on many jobs and to adapt to careers that probably don't exist yet. I mean, we have careers now that didn't exist when I was in school or grad school or that I taught when I was at a small uh, private college. So I, I think there's a different sense of uh, what it, what education is supposed to do. And one of those senses is that there was a time where as a professor, my job is to impart my vast knowledge from <laughs> getting my PhD right. and all of that to my students. Uh, that made the professor the most powerful source of information in the room at the time. That's less so now, right? Students have more access to information while I'm talking than I do. And so what that's meant is we become more uh, facilitators of learning, we challenge students to apply knowledge, we help them think in different ways, but we ask our students to think broadly about their education and the interconnectivity of multiple disciplines to solve complex problems. That's why problem-based learning is really uh, important because it it challenges students to think differently. So I think we've we've become more student-centric and more cognizant of how quickly Careers and economies and regions change. And now the task is, can our students live and learn together, working in communities? Can they work as a team? Can they problem solve? And can they adapt? Because the world's changing quickly.
0: Oh, yeah. I was just thinking back when I didn't even have uh, my first computer till I want to say, 1992. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of students here couldn't imagine or even a phone or, or things like that. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all so, so different, but yet some things stay the same year. You know? I think
1: it's more fun now.
0: Probably, yeah. I, I would agree with you. We're almost out of time here, but anything else you would like folks to know about things happening here on campus or going on?
1: I think it's going to be an exciting year. Not, not the least reason is that uh, we're, we're back together. And there's a lot of magic that happens when people are back together and creating. I, I'm looking forward to, you know, our athletic season. We've we've got a football team that starts up on Thursday, hockey starts up before too long. We've got women's soccer's been going. We we have great teams, across the uh, across the field. And on top of that, it's going to be a pretty rich theater and dance season. I look forward to that. That's been
0: yeah, and they're going to be. In fact, we're going to be talking about yeah. that coming up. There they've announced some of the the things that are going to be happening for the rest of the season going on there.
1: I enjoyed our season so much last year. I enjoyed our concerts. Just the different abilities. That's the thing about a college campus. When you have all of your different groups together, whether it be athletics or performance or galleries, that all brings energy to it. And I'm hoping, you know, through the inauguration, we'll introduce our campus to more people. You
0: know, one of the things I notice about you, Dr. Inch, is you're very involved with the students. You, are, you embrace the students, and so it feels like you have a little more of a pulse on what's going on with them.
1: I don't think I could do my job if, if I didn't. I know,
0: but there's some that, that sit in their office in the ivory tower, as they would say, and maybe don't get boots on the ground. So I'm just giving you a little kudos there well, because you. I think that makes it so, so much better because you seem like you kind of get what's going on. I,
1: I learn a lot, I mean, yeah. and uh, I know uh, I get to talk to people about where their pressures are. Same with our staff and our faculty. I get to talk about where pressures are and figure out. I mean, and, you know, and then we just figure out what are, what are the choices we have about how we move forward. But uh, from the time I was a speech and debate coach and yeah. driving in vans with uh, 12 to 15 students for 24 hours, if you're going from, you know, from the university down to California, you learn a lot about the life of students outside of a classroom. And uh, I think we that's where we get to do better. And I think we do that. We pay attention to our students. That, that's the big difference between pandemic and now is okay. in the pandemic, it was about the classroom because what are your choices? Now, uh, we get to talk to people, we get to learn and listen.
0: What are you hearing from students now that they're back.
1: Ecstatic to be back. Oh, sure. Looking forward to the different kinds of engagement opportunities. I mean, you know, the opening of, of football on the 10th. Uh, I hear a lot about hockey. People are optimistic about this season. Uh, I hear a lot about being able to have real uh, learning teams. Again, that in a classroom, they'll have, they're being assigned uh, to work in groups, which usually students, at least in my history, the students don't tend to like groups. Right. Anyway. <laughs> I
0: know what I'm saying. But <laughs> now,
1: more and more are looking forward to it. I think we have a very dynamic student government this year that has an agenda that I think will improve the, the quality and the connections that we have with our students. This is all around just a greater sense of optimism that we're past a really dark time in our history and now we're together we're going to kind of co-create the direction we want to go as a university which fits well because we're doing strategic planning this year to chart that out and uh, I I think the the conversations around the core of who we are have just been so meaningful and, and important and you know I never want to forget that at the core of this our job is to serve our students and we do so many things that that's wonderful and we should but at our core we serve our students because, you know, as people tell me, that's the reason our lights come on.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to thank you for coming in and spending some time with us again, and congratulations, and and wish you, you the best of your inauguration coming mm-hmm. And the public is welcome. To Absolutely that, correct. So, hopefully, a lot of folks listening can come and hear Dr. Inch talk about the vision for the university where here, we're headed. where yep. we're headed, and and just welcome. And if you haven't met him, you're a very friendly and outgoing guy. So. It will be nice to, to have more folks come in yeah. and see who you are.
1: Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.